0: You're listening to the Fitness and Wellness Class, powered by NASM. NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org slash connected or call 1-800-460-6276. Hello, everybody. My name is Scott Cheatham, and I would like to welcome you to my presentation titled "Balance Training: Scientific Principles and Program Design for the Fitness Professional." Now, a little bit about myself. I'm a practicing physical therapist, a researcher, and a clinical professor. One of my one of my lines of research that I do is actually on balance training, and I love to to integrate a lot of balance training with all of my clients across the lifespan even if they're young or if they're old, so I'm hoping with this presentation that everyone will get some nuggets of information where you can actually take it back to your clients and really kind of spruce up or have fun with their balance program. Now, before we get started into the good stuff there's really three primary learning outcomes that I'd like to obtain from this presentation. The first outcome is is I would love participants to be able to discuss the three physiological systems for human balance and their interdependence on how they control static and dynamic movements. Okay. The second um, learning outcome is being able to discuss suggested exercise progressions and regressions using unstable objects and different environments. The third learning outcome is is for for professionals to be able to discuss methods of analyzing balance confidence, stability, being able to observe and identify balance deviations, recovery strategies, and potential conditions that can cause balance issues. Um, Now, as far as disclaimers, there are no conflicts that I have with this presentation all materials are acquired with proper permissions, licensing and properly cited. Now, as we talk about our research agenda, we're we're really gonna talk about four main concepts. If we look at this slide in the diagram and we go clockwise, we first wanna kind of, you know, discuss some of the scientific concepts behind balance. Um, Also, we're gonna talk about balance assessment, balance programming. And then we're going to get into um, balanced precautions and contraindications. Now, with each of these themes, we're going to have specific clinical questions to pretty much kind of guide you know our discussion, so we can kind of move move through the slide deck and stuff. Now, as as we noticed though, we moved from the live Optima to the virtual Optima, so a lot of a lot of this information has been modified for a one hour lecture. So just kind of keep that in mind. Okay, now one one you know I wanted to put this funny slide for everybody. As you can see, active people love to use to do balance exercises and all these unstable objects. And as you can see, people love to use physio balls. They like to go crazy with the Bosu and weights. Um, You know, they like to to use different discs and all that. So so with with the popularity of all these unstable devices, um, as fitness professionals or health professionals. We're constantly using these devices with our clients every single session. And so that kind of begs the question, though, that we need to ask ourselves is, you know, what, how do these balance objects feed into our clients' overall program? Now, are we following the OPT model, which, you know, from beginning to end gives us a progression? Or, you know, when we put somebody, let's say if we're looking at the picture here, on a, Foam mat, or the Bosu, or a wobble board. You know what? What? What are we trying to achieve by doing those balance exercises? Are we just trying to have fun, which is great, or are we challenging them with a purpose? And I think that that's something that all fitness professionals and health professionals need to think about. We need to have some rationale for actually why we're doing balance training. Okay, so that that kind of brings us to our first kind of clinical professional question is, are professionals and clients challenging all the balance systems of the body to maximize the, the client's program? So as a professional, are you kind of challenging them? Enough? Are we using all the balance systems to really make it a productive intervention? Now we know it's within the OPT model, so we know we have a, a progressive training you know, kind of recipe, but also, though, too, we want to dig a little bit deeper into the science and really make sure that we're hitting all the systems of the body to enhance their balance. And we're going to take a look at that coming up in this in this next segment called scientific concepts. Now, when we when we kind of define balance, we know when we're looking at the NESM curriculum, right? We have static balance, and we also have dynamic balance. And usually static balance is mainly described as looking at posture, right? We're looking at static posture. So we know that that all of our postural muscles along the kinetic checkpoints, right, from head to toe are typically isometrically contracted to allow us to hold that posture. But once we start moving into dynamic balance, then we actually introduce movement into the body. <clears throat> and so we have a combination of isometric, concentric, and eccentric contractions. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think it's important to kind of understand the differences between the, the two common types of balance and stuff. <clears throat> now, when we talk about basic definitions, balance and equilibrium is typically defined as the ability to maintain your center of gravity over your base of support. So if you're standing, you know, just like the image below, if you guys are looking at the slide, um, it, you know, if you're looking, your base of support is going to be your two feet. And typically when the, when the, when in the human body, the center of gravity is typically around your belly button or your sacrum. Okay. It's kind of in that area. And so when we talk about balance and kind of equilibrium, if you can, if you can hold, you know, the center of gravity over the base of support, then you're gonna have the next term stability, okay? So stability is really a measurement or an observable measurement of stable balance and equilibrium. And that's really defined as the ability to hold the center of gravity over the base of support with movement. And I think that that's important to, to understand when when it when it comes to looking at the different terms of balance and equilibrium which is pretty much equal but also stability is really being able to hold the center of gravity without a lot of movement okay so so for example if you're doing a balance exercise with a client and you notice a lot of sway between you know between the be, between their trunk and so like that you know that the center of gravity is moving you know kind of in and out their base of support then you know that they're very actually unstable so that so that exercise could be too difficult for them or you might have a purpose to challenge them. and so i think that that's that's important to understand okay so now we we, we kind of progress to our next term when we're talking about all these scientific concepts and that's called limits of stability um every human you know every human who stands up we have a Maximum amount of excursion that we can move back and forth without losing balance or taking a step, and that's a that's a key term that you know a lot of um, rehab professionals use when they're trying to train people who have maybe a vestibular problem or a balance problem or older individuals, because you know the goal is to stay within your limits of stability by keeping the kinetic checkpoints nice and lined up and i think that that's important to realize because when when you put when you put a client on an unstable object you want to make sure that they have stability and not go beyond their limits of stability and fall off the object okay so i think that that's an important kind of take home here is limits of stability really describes you know that 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 outer limit of your of of your muscles and then you would have to do what's called a recovery strategy for it Okay. And so I think that's important. So now though, we, we progress to our next concept to where if we have what, if we happen to lose balance, because we move beyond that limit of stability, we have three primary balance recovery strategies. We have the ankle strategy, the hip strategy, and the stepping strategy. And so for example, you put a client on a Bosu and you know they they've done it before and they're very comfortable they may just demonstrate what's called the ankle strategy where you know their their head and their body are moving in line and it's very small kind of what we call perturbations right very small movements okay they're 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 pretty stable with everything okay and so it's very slow and it's not so reactive and we understand that the muscle contractions are going to be more from the feet up So as we can see with the images on the right, we can see an ankle strategy is your first kind of common strategy we use whenever we stand, let's say on an unstable surface, a wet surface or whatever, we kind of move our ankles back and forth. And so that's kind of our first kind of balance per se defense, okay? Now, if we we start to kind of bridge towards that limits of stability, then we automatically institute what's called the hip strategy or people call it the hip ankle strategy where we're actually almost standing on like a wet barrel and we're our hips are moving back and forth and it's very kind of fast and stuff. So typically if you put somebody on an unstable object, that they've never been on, they're automatically going to kind of jump into that hip strategy and, and sway back and forth to try to maintain balance. Right. Because remember, they're trying to maintain stability, which is within the limits of stability, right? They're trying to get those kinetic checkpoints to to line up and stuff. So the hip strategy is very common when people when when people are put on some type of unstable object. Now again, these strategies are naturally done with our body. So it so if your goal is to challenge the client, it's okay for them to do the ankle or hip strategy. It's not like you know, it's not like they're going to get in, you know, that, that it's a wrong exercise. But the point is, is that if you progress them to an unstable object and they they develop these strategies, the goal is for you to train them enough to where they demonstrate stability and that they don't have to do the strategy. Okay. So hopefully everyone can kind of see that difference and stuff. And then obviously the last resort is that if if a client really loses balance, That's called the stepping strategy. So, so really it's a very fast perturbation. So for example, if you put them on the BOSU dome down, right. And it's very unstable and they stand up. Well, if you're, let's say throwing a ball at them or doing some high level, let's say OPT level five, you know, power exercise. Well, if they feel off balance and they go beyond their limits of stability, they, and they become unstable, then they're going to take a big step. OK, so the big step is really kind of how humans catch themselves when they fall and stuff. And so a lot of times that happens in the elderly, as, as everyone knows, that their reaction time slower, you know, a lot, a lot more times, you know, they just can't re- react fast enough. So we teach them a stepping strategy to catch their fall. OK, so, so these three balanced strategies is something that I believe that everyone should really focus on when you're progressing and regressing your clients through these unstable objects and through balance and stuff. Because remember, the goal is is to keep the kinetic chain lined up, okay? But also though too, you do wanna progress them. So they are gonna go through these balance strategies. and stuff. But then again though, if a client continues to demonstrate the stepping strategy and they just can't balance on the object, it might be too difficult at that time. So you need to regress them back Um, through the OPT model or whatever strategy you're doing. So I think that that, that's an important um, aspect to to this, okay? And and again, this this next slide just kind of shows how, um, as we mentioned with the ankle strategy, the muscle contractions are from the feet up, okay? Now the hip strategy is from hips down, okay? And then obviously a stepping strategy is the whole body, multiple muscles are trying to catch themselves. So we, so we have to realize that you know, these recovery strategies help us maintain our balance, but we wanna appreciate the muscles that are involved. And that's what this slide um, really kind of shows. Now, when we, when we move forward now, we're gonna dig a little bit deeper into the science. So now you know, we've kind of discussed you know, the definition of balance and some of the other terms like equilibrium, stability. We talked about recovery, right? How we recover from a fall but also though too when it comes to the physiological balance systems of the body we we got to we got to realize that it's multifactorial right so if we look at the slide and we look at the diagram and we go clockwise we can see that you know the factors that you know influence balance is the goal or task right what's what's you know what's the goal of the task how's it orientated we also know that the central nervous system plays a big part we know that the environment does um you know, muscular contractions, motor coordination, you know, all obviously someone's perception. So there's, a, there's a lot of factors that, that can really, you know, come into play, um, with that. But, but, but also though, too, as we dig a little bit deeper though, even though we have all these factors and stuff, um, a lot of rehab professionals who, who really work with people who are at like a high fall risk or, you know, um, fitness professionals who work on advanced balance training with like athletes and stuff, really tend to focus on though, three primary systems for balance, okay? And that includes vision, vestibular, and also somatosensory or proprioception, okay? So these three systems work together to help us maintain balance and stuff. Now, obviously vision, we we get orientation to where we are in our environment, But vision works with the vestibular, our inner ear, to help our eyes track, help our head get orientation. And then that that works with other brain centers, like the cerebellum and all that, to help us maintain balance. But at the same time, we also need to have information right from our joints, our feet, et cetera, to help us with balance. So these three systems are constantly working all the time to allow us to do static and dynamic balance and stuff. So so one thing I'm proposing during this discussion is, is that if you want to really challenge your clients and stuff, try, try to use these three systems in your progressions and regressions. And that's what we're going to talk about here in the coming slides and stuff. I think it's just, it's kind of a new way to, you know, to, to kind of approach more of the fitness clients right? Because a lot of times we just kind of put them on an object. We may not always be thinking about the science part of it and stuff, but a lot of these terms are very popular in rehabilitation for people with balance disorders, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's, it's kind of a new take for the healthy person that might be more sedentary um, or maybe recovered. Maybe they did recover from an injury and that they're clear to do a workout with you, but you want to challenge them even more. Okay, so I think that that's so important for this for this discussion and stuff. So when we look at this slide, that's kind of pretty much what I summarized: is that all three systems are working um, as an interdependent kind of unit, right? So, so for example, if if you have a if you're working with an older individual and they have poor vision, or maybe they're they have a, a hearing aid and they have hard of hearing, well, those two systems are not going to be working. So, the older individual will rely on the somatosensory proprioceptive system. And a lot of times we see that though, um, you know, with older individuals. So, for example, if I'm working with, let, let's say, someone who's older, let's say in their 80s, and they, they have poor vision and they have a hearing aid, they may walk with a wide base gait to be able to have some type of stability. Does that make sense? So, they may widen their base of support to keep the center of gravity lined up, or they might use a walker, right? They might use a cane or some type of assistive device to create a wider base of support so that they can maintain balance and stuff, okay? So I think it's important to to realize that, that, you know, balance is, yes, like we discussed, it's multifactorial, but a lot of times we reduce it down to three main areas, vision, vestibular, and somatosensory. Okay, so I think that's important as we move forward because that's what a lot of our interventions are going to be kind of focusing on in this discussion. So, trainer tip: real simple. If the center, if the center of mass appears unstable, then you can you can presume the client may not be able to to, to balance well. Okay, and so so the client may be using you know one or more of the systems to to maintain that. balance. So I think it's, I think it's interesting to realize that, you know, when when we're observing somebody on an object, right? If it's a disc or a foam, whatever we're doing, I tend to clinically, I always like to look at the belly button and the pelvic area to make sure that that stability is there while I'm kind of observing the kinetic chain, right? And making sure that those kinetic checkpoints are lining up. And once the client can actually line up all the blocks as they say, right? Line up everything. And also demonstrate some stability on that unstable object. You know, it could be for 30 seconds, it could be a minute, you know, you can do a time qualifier. But once they demonstrate that, in my opinion, then they're ready to progress to a harder object, okay? So that's that's kind of a trainer tip on really how to kind of put the science into kind of, you know, your progressions and your regressions. So here's some bottom line, some thoughts is that, you know, we understand that the body has limits of stability for both static and dynamic balance. Okay. We understand that the body will use these recovery strategies. And then we also realize that the body will use three primary systems for balance. And so, so, so I think it's so important for fitness professionals to keep this in mind, especially when we're integrating balance into the OBT level one, All the way up to the OPT level, you know, four and also five as we start getting into maximum strength and power, because then we're doing more ballistic, fast, powerful motions that do stress the three systems for balance. Okay, so for example, like if you're doing box jumps, okay, you need to have all systems working to be able to successfully do a box jump. Right. So along with other factors, as far as musculoskeletal strength, flexibility, you know, there's it again, it's multifactorial. But I think that that's that's an important point. So now that brings us to our, our next topic, balance assessment. <clears throat> now, traditionally, we, we've seen that, you know, we've seen in the gym or whatever, we might have someone do like a single leg squat. OK, we might have them balance on one leg. And yes, that is a balance um, type of, a, of a assessment and an exercise, but it may not give the fitness professional really insight into the three systems of how they're working. So one, one balance assessment I'm suggesting is called the clinical test of sensory interaction on balance or simply the sit sip okay? and it's actually a very easy test and it's been used by rehabilitation professionals you know for many years and it's been validated in the research it's really good but remember though too we're going to be using this test for healthy individuals okay it's important to understand that we're not using this to diagnose we're not using this test to to work with somebody who has a known pathology Unless we're cleared to do so, okay. And so I, I want to put that in context. I think it's important. But again, it's a very simple test. And guess what the test uses? A piece of foam, right? It's actually really easy test that you can use out in the field. You can use it at the gym. So let's let's kind of let's dig deeper. Let's let's take a look at it. And I think it's interesting. So four stages to the test. Pretty straightforward. Um, stage one: eyes open, standing still. Okay, your all three systems are obviously working. Okay, stage two, eyes closed on the floor. Okay, you just took away vision, didn't you? So you're going to be stressing the vestibular and the somatosensory system. Okay, then you can move them to stage three, eyes open on the foam. Well, when you're on the foam, your feet are moving, so you're actually challenging the somatic the somatosensory system, and now you're focusing on what the vestibular system and vision. And then obviously stage four, you stand on foam with your eyes closed, and now you're challenging the vestibular system. So if you you look at the four stages before we get a little bit deeper into it, it's really teasing out the three systems for balance and also which one could be working more than the other and stuff like that. So whatever the client kind of per se fails on, that's going to be their homework. So if they're standing, you know, if they're standing on the foam with their eyes open, and you know, and they they're losing balance, is simply on foam, then you know that you may have to train the somatosensory system a little more. Maybe they need to do balance with the shoes off. Maybe you need to close their eyes and challenge them more. So so you can see with this test, we're not using it as a diagnostic. We're using it to assess their balance, and I think that that's important to to really understand. Now, as we dig deeper into the parameters, again, the focus is really sensory integration. We're really looking at how three systems work together. Now, the, the standard time for this is a 30-second time period, each of the four stations. Now, you can do a maximum of, of three attempts. Um, in the literature, most people are doing it once or twice, and then they can kind of average it and stuff. Now, when we talk about interpretation of the test, I I'm proposing two different things. Number one is, um, you know, the client must maintain stability in all conditions. That's the first thing. Second of all is when we talk about grading, you can score each stage, right? Each stage individually, or you can do a composite score. Okay, you can add it all up. That can that could be your, what we call asterisk sign, where you retest them a month later and see how good they did, okay? The second one is, and this is a concept that we've done some research on and we're, we're actually actively looking at, is balanced confidence, okay? The fear of falls is very common among middle-aged and older individuals. So grading number one is you can grade them on their stability, right, their, their performance, but you can also dig deeper and ask them very simply, from zero to 100, where do you rank your confidence on this object, on the disc, on the foam or whatever. You can you can use a scale for anything, but within the SIT-SIB test, I'm proposing that for all four stages, you're looking at their performance, but then you're also simultaneously grading them on their confidence. Because we've seen throughout, th- throughout the literature that if someone is confident, they fall less, especially when they get older. Okay, so I think that that's an important aspect. And I think it creates a little bit more of a connection between the professional, okay, and the client. Okay, so very simple, we're gonna move through some of these slides. Um, I'm also proposing two levels of assessment, okay? The original SIP-SIP was just basically standing with two legs, okay? I'm proposing, um, if you have somebody who's brand new, like let's say OPT levels one and two, Okay, you may wanna do a double leg assessment with all four you know, stages or positions. Um, if they're a little bit more advanced, um, try having them do a single leg. Okay, and that's what I'm proposing is, you go what's called level two, and then you do the four test positions. Okay, again, it's just a little bit more of an advanced um, assessment, because we have clients of all all different levels, as you know. Some of them are doing balance every day, so it might be good to challenge them using the sit sib on a single leg okay and again this is applied to the fitness professional it's not applied to anybody who has a a current or ongoing vestibular issue or balance issue okay so that's something that we want to make sure we want to um again reinforce the topic of safety okay so let's go level one pretty quick um static double leg stance we got four conditions four stages four positions right we look at number one eyes open Okay, that works all three systems. Number two, um, on the floor, eyes closed. Okay, vestibular, somatosensory, okay? We put them on a foam, okay? Now you can see with the pictures, the lower two pictures, I put a red dot because, you know, um, the contrast of the black foam with the flooring, um, you know, you can basically just put someone on the foam and have them stand with their eyes open, observe them for 30 seconds, look at the kinetic chain, make sure. Then from there, progress into the eyes closed. Okay. Now, a couple couple things that we're noting. When you're standing on the foam, most of the time the feet are about 12 inches apart. Okay. Try to replicate that when they're standing on the ground. Okay. Now, when when we look here, this is my son, and he was my my model right now, because you know we're kind of more isolated, but his legs probably should have been a little bit closer together. Okay. That's just something to know. Now it's not a big deal, but I I want, you know, I want to try to be you know, give a good description for all the professionals out there. Um, also, too, you want to make sure that you stand close to them, okay? Because if they do lose balance, then it could be a potential issue if they fall and hurt themselves, okay? Um, third thing is, too, is, is, it's important um, to understand is is that try not to give them a lot of external feedback, okay? Try to do it naturally. Just have them stand naturally. Now, if you notice in the pictures, what did I do? Is I used shoes off. Okay, well that could that's a call by you all as professionals because it you know if you're in a gym situation and you're using a shared piece of equipment, then obviously cleanliness and you know all this this new this new norm we have, you want to be careful about it. But remember though, if you're wearing shoes, you're gonna have a lot more support at the ankle and foot. So that's gonna affect the whole kinetic checkpoints and the whole kinetic chain all the way up. Okay i prefer doing the test with the shoes off but you just want to make sure that you know it's appropriate for the client and the environment and everything you're in so again those are just some important notes for level one testing which again it's double leg and that's more the traditional sit-sit. now i'm proposing now with someone more advanced okay opt levels four and five okay you got a more advanced athlete they're strong, et cetera, et cetera. You have a more active weekend warrior and all that. I'm proposing you do the same test, but with a single leg, okay? Now, um, again, we were actually doing research on this, um, but because of the COVID, it really shut down our laboratory. So unfortunately, I don't have any evidence yet on this, but I hope hopefully by um, the middle of next year, we'll have a study published actually on this recipe that we're doing, okay? So um let's kind of layer in um level two. So level two is you're doing the same, you know, positions one, two, three, and four or stage, right? But you need to do it on the right and the left leg. You have to, you have to look at both sides. Okay. Also to um, you know, you also want to measure their balance confidence, right? So if you're doing stage one, you can look at their stability and say, okay, how confident do you feel with that? Oh, I feel hundred percent. Okay, great. Um, and again, and again, you can do that for single and double leg. All right. Now, if you go to, if you go to level three, right. And and they're standing with their eyes closed and they start to have a lot of sway and you can see that they're reaching their limits of stability, right? They start having that hip strategy and all that. Then, then, you know, you might watch them for 15 or 20 seconds. You stop them and you say, "Okay, you look like you were gonna fall. Um, what, what, what's your confidence with that? You know what? I only felt fifty percent. Okay, so there you go, right there. You so that's where you would stop in general, in your progression. So the next session, you would probably start with the position three, single leg, both legs, and challenge them for a little then as they start getting more confident they build then you might progress them to even stage 4 or another object or whatever you can do that so so really whatever they fail on is going to kind of be their homework okay and so so i hope everyone understands that so when we talk about testing results this is kind of a summary of what i think is important for the double leg level 1 or the single leg level 2 and let's go let's go down the columns from left to right Left is again um, floor eyes open, single or double leg. If they have poor balance, try to train all three systems. Pretty simple. Stage two, eyes closed. Okay, we know that that their eyes are closed, so you take away vision. Focus on vestibular somatosensory. Okay, that means you know eyes closed with head movements. um, You know shoes on, shoes off, different objects. Okay. As you progress to position three or stage three, they're gonna be on foam now. So things get a little bit more difficult, especially single leg, right? Um, that From there, if they're standing with the foam with the eyes open, then, and they show poor balance, you know that a sensory is kind of conflicted, but vision and vestibular may not be working very well. So focus on training them, okay? All right. And then and then from there, when we talk about stage four, you basically took away vision, you also took away um the somatosensory. You're challenging it. So that requires the vestibular system to, to turn on to allow you to maintain balance. Okay. So I think I think I think as a take-home message here, um, is that if you stand up, if you if you if you take away vision or you challenge somatosensory, that requires the other systems to work harder, okay? So if they fail on number one, all three systems are not working. If they fail on number two, that means the vestibular system or the somatic, somatosensory system is not working very well. Okay, you, you, you would wanna, you know, theoretically you would wanna challenge them and stuff. So, so, so from there, we can look at stage three and stage four so whatever they failed on, you're going to focus on those systems and stuff. And so we're we're assuming that you know that if there's no pathology, that maybe those systems are not kind of working well, or they're not working as a team. We're not getting that sensory integration. So that's why NASM for many years talks about a proprioceptively rich environment. We need to get everything going. But when it comes specifically to balance, I'm encouraging everyone to focus on the, the three main systems. Okay, balance, corrective programming. So let's go through um, each stage and also some correctives. Okay, so let, let's kind of kind of put you know connect A, B, and also C together. So when we talk about stage one, again we talked about it. It's most of the time people get 100% or they feel very, you know, they look very stable, but you can do it for level one and level two. But if they have, you know, if they have issues with, you know, with vision or vestibular somatosensory um, issues, you're going to focus on what's called gaze stability. You're gonna be having them maybe stand, but actually maybe look at an object in the gym. Okay, you can work on the eyes tracking. Because that's the vestibular ocular reflex. That's where the vestibular system works with vision. So you can challenge the eyes, and I'll show you some examples. The next one would be the somatosensory system. Well, the intervention or the suggested intervention is you can progress balance with shoes on, shoes off. You can close your eyes. You can progress them through different things. And then one thing that's been glaring in the research um, when it comes to balance and falls is lower body weakness. And I included that in every stage because we're, we're seeing more and more that resistance training at the lower extremities, especially like the calves, the soleus, the postural muscles actually assist better with balance stability. Okay. So I think that that's important and we pretty much embedded that. So when we talk about the, and i we'll, will kind of go back for a second, we're going to go actually down this, this diagram here. When we talk about vision vestibular exercises, we simply talk about gaze stability. Now, this is a picture of a rehab clinician just kind of de- demonstrating that you can look at two objects up and down and side to side. I call it yes and no. All right. Now, you can be in the gym and have, have a client balance and then have them look at the ceiling and look at the ground. So that's actually going to be challenging the vision and vestibular system. And I thought, that, I think that's cool. Or you can have them look back and forth at two machines or whatever. So, so again, you can use gaze vision stabilization to challenge two of the three systems of the body. And then you can take it a step further with level two. Okay, and I think that this is, this is important, is that you can actually have them look at an object. Like if you guys see me here, I'm looking at my finger, I'm keeping my eye on the object And then I'm doing no's and yes's as I'm keeping my gaze fixated on a picture on my finger or on an object in the gym. So, so clients can use level one or two to really kind of challenge themselves, but also that brings a whole nother level of progressions and regressions to your program. So, 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 so I would say, you know, venture out, don't be shy to start using vision and looking at different things and making making their whole environment complex because it really helps strengthen those systems and stuff okay now is if we're going to train somatosensory we we have our typical progressions right again when we look at these pictures we can go shoes on shoes off but we have our typical double leg and single leg progression as we go through the different unstable objects and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this because this is very common and we all progress, but when we did our research on balanced confidence, we found that um, pretty much out of the 80 participants, they all almost 100% believe that this was the progression where your first level one's on your feet, two's the foam, right? The simple foam, three is the air-filled discs, four is the Bosu dome up, okay? Five is Bosu dome down, and then, obviously, when you get to the wobble boards and all that, the, you know the circumference of the board and the ball up underneath is a lot more fast and reactive. So most people had more confidence, obviously, with the lower levels than the higher levels. Okay, but they they all reported that this is the progression that they felt was with unstable objects. They also did the same with single leg. Okay, so so again, these slides will be um, referenced later on and repeated in the different stages, but I wanted to just to kind of show everybody that you know these are common progressions and we finally have a study that had kind of alluded to this progression that we've always done in the gym with our clients. So it's kind of cool. I mean I I appreciated understanding that. And then obviously we have lower extremity strengthening. These are just kind of summary slides to kind of cue everybody, you know, everyone here, you know, the NESM certified professionals, you guys are experts at this getting people strong, um, you know. So the, we're gonna quickly go through these slides where obviously we know to strengthen the hip flexors, the quads, okay. We know also to work on the hip extensors. And again, these are just common exercises, common ideas. Um, you know, hip abductor, external rotators. You know, one picture, as you can see in the middle, the middle picture at level two, I love to do a seated internal external rotation, something kind of new, right um or if we look down below at level five i love to do a single leg squat against the wall okay so maybe a couple new ideas there when you're training the hip abductors and quads etc next we also have our typical um hip adductors okay um you know they're trained and you know we understand too that they can become you know pretty overactive sometimes so you know so you want to train the adductors with with care don't don't go too crazy and then obviously the calves. Okay. Now the pictures, the pictures I gave gave you was with the knee straight, so we know that we're focusing on the gastrocnemius. But obviously with the knee bent, you're going to be affecting the soleus a little bit more. Um, I also encourage people to walk with heel toe walking. I think that's important to get you know the tibialis anterior, the the toe extensors to fire and also walking on your toes. So, so again, you know, lower extremity strengthening has been supported in the research. There's some good, strong research to show that if you're stronger, you're, you're gonna have better balance and you're gonna fall less. Okay, and so I think we're seeing that as we age, as we get older. And then obviously we start doing integrative movements. Okay, again, this is part of that corrective exercise. Continuum, we're integrating. And then also we're using bands to kind of create more of a proprioceptively rich environment, right? We can we can do a lot of techniques and stuff. So again, your guys' expertise, you know, I know everyone here, you know, is experts at this, you know, have at it, but whatever deficits that you see along the assessment, definitely correct them and strengthen their legs because I believe it's going to have an influence on their overall balance and stuff. Okay. And then obviously stage two, and we'll kind of quickly go through. um, Stage two, eyes closed, you're on the floor. Really the vestibular and somatosensory system are working the most. Um, Potential issues as we're going through from left to right, we can see at the top, fear of falling. Okay, you can use some confidence building activities. Uh, Somatosensory would go back to the same, right? You You wanna progress them with shoes on, shoes off, challenge them with the different objects. And then we have our lower extremity strength. Okay. So when we talk about confidence building exercises, I'm suggesting that you use a slow progression with the balanced objects, really monitor their confidence throughout and help build them up. Okay. Because really the client should feel confident and demonstrate good stability on each object before you progress up the chain. Okay. Also, to, um, it's okay for them to use their their recovery balance strategies. Okay, that's there for a purpose. So you want the body to naturally recover. Okay, but you don't want the object to be so hard that they're gonna fall and you're risking injury. Okay. And so on that note, use your sit-sib, use your balance confidence scale to kind of find that baseline and then progress steadily from there. Just have some fun and stuff. But it's 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 really dangerous if you over-prescribe a balance exercise. And you're not standing next to them to catch up. Okay. So that's just kind of a, a thought because I've seen patients get injured when they're not supervised well. So please make sure that you know you're you're doing the proper assessments, but also too, you are watching the client closely so that they have a safe experience with you and they don't get hit hurt on an object. Okay. So that's a little extra as far as confidence. Now, stage two somatosensory, we fall into the same mix where we can progress them. Okay, all the way through. Okay, for for double leg and single leg in stage two. Okay, again, you know, you're on the floor, right? Eyes closed, all right? And then obviously lower extremity exercises. I'm gonna refer you all back to the stage one because I just didn't wanna have a lot of extra slides. So please refer back to some ideas as far as strengthening. And then now we move to stage three. So obviously stage three changed because now we're on an unstable object. So immediately that challenges the somatosensory system, okay? So the, the two systems really working with stage three eyes open on foam is what? Vision and vestibular, okay? Now, if, if someone's losing balance on stage three, you may have to really work in some gaze stabilization vision exercises to get them to really kind of balance. Also, to you may want to, t- to train somatosensory system a little bit more with more trunk control stuff okay so so again in in stage three we we know that vision and vestibular work together to help help our eyes and our head have orientation but we still need to go back to somatosensory and train regardless okay and then obviously lower extremity weakness because if if, if someone's in stage two it, it could be weakness in their calf in their muscles. It could be overactive, underactive muscles that could actually be be a source of balance and stability. So we want to look at these three kind of um, variables. Okay. So now as we move through, we're gonna we're gonna since we're at stage three of the sit sip, we're gonna go a little bit more advanced now with our vision and vestibular. We're actually gonna be taking an object and actually turning our head with the object. Okay. Turning our head Or we're going to be going, we're going to take the object and track it with our eyes turning opposite, okay? So level three is you're really tracking the object with your head and your eyes or tracking opposite by keeping your eyes on the topic. So this this takes the gaze stabilization exercises to a new level, okay? You're not just keeping your head steady, you're actually moving your head now. And so once you start moving your head, that's when you start firing the inner ear more. And that's where the vestibular system starts kicking in a lot more. And I think that that's that's important to understand. And so level three is a little bit more advanced for people. okay. And then we move on more towards the somatosensory. And again, we come back to that same mix where we're progressing them levels one through five for double leg, single leg. Okay. And then obviously the lower extremity strengthened. So we're seeing among these stages, we have some commonalities, obviously, because, you know, with the human body, there's only so much we can train and stuff. And then we get to our last stage, which remember, it's not necessarily a hierarchy, like a Likert scale, like, oh, you're at level four or stage four or position four. It's, it's, we're teasing out the three systems. So stage four you're standing on the phone with your eyes closed. And so the vestibular system is really turned on because you just took away the other two systems, okay? So potential issues could be what? Vestibular activity, fear of falling, okay? We talked about the fear and confidence and also lower extremity weakness. So we're seeing kind of these commonalities and stuff. But when we talk about vestibular exercises and if the vestibular system itself is not really working but maybe the vision is pretty good, you need to do a lot of exercises with more head movements. And that's where the suggestive comes in. You can simply do a horizontal ball toss where you're actually moving your head and your eyes rapidly, maybe against a wall, like the image on the left, okay? And as you can see with all these slides, I put in kind of the description um, and what to do and also some suggested sets and repetitions. So I also included uh, acute variables. But for this presentation, I'm just kind of providing an an overview. Um, The exercise on the right of the slide, we can see it's more of a vertical, quick ball toss. And again, these exercises would really correlate with really what level five of the OPT power, right? Where we're working with a medicine ball and we're going super fast. So these exercises are actually done by fitness professionals, but I think we, we just never really kind of gave them a, a title or conceptualized. And I think that that's, that's important to understand is that, you know, these exercises are very common. We do them all the time, you know, but now we're kind of putting a classification or title on. And then as we, we progress through, then we start actually going in full motion. And um, when we talk about the vision gaze stabilization exercises, that would be like a level five where you're actually walking. If we look at the images from left to right, we can see, okay, that you can have somebody walk and then they're looking left and right as they're in motion. So you can see that that really stresses the three systems, but the vestibular system and the vision system are really going to be working hard to stabilize. Okay. Also too, you can have them as we progress to the middle picture, you can have them walk and look up and down. Okay. And that's difficult if you guys actually try that. And then to me, one of my most coolest that I love is actually having a client walk while they're throwing a ball up and down ball toss in one hand. And to me, this is, this can be very complex for some individuals because I'll make them walk forward, walk backwards, walk side to side. I'll have them do a karaoke while they're tossing the ball at the same time. So as you guys can see level four and level five is a lot of multitasking, right? Is everyone seeing that? So, so again, we do all these multitasks all the time as we progress people, but now we're starting to really look at the science and say, Oh, okay. If I'm doing this, I'm really kind of challenging that vestibular system in my client. So hopefully they'll, they'll continue to develop and progress and get better and get stronger with their balance and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's important to kind of continue to conceptualize and stuff. So, so basically when we talk about confidence, confidence building, we can see in stage four, you know, fear of falling is another one. So if someone's standing there with their eyes closed, they're going to have a high fear that's when you're gonna work in a nice slow progression and help build their confidence. And we just we've our head already discussed this slide. And so then again, we also have strengthening. So just remember all four stages have strengthening. We're gonna refer back to stage one for examples. Okay, balance exercise principles, that's our next topic. Okay, when we look at balance exercise principles, This slide's a little bit busy, but I wanted it to be a reference slide for everybody who's, you know, who's attending this talk. And these are just common progressions and regressions we do mainly with balance and also with with other exercises. So when we talk about surface, we always typically, right, we could say the term always, or it's kind of like a, a recipe that most professionals do is we progress from stable to unstable. Environment, known to unknown. Anticipated to unanticipated. Okay. For example, you could have, you know, someone do some exercises outside. That would be an unknown environment, right? You can have them do it on grass. They never had before. Um, unanticipated, you can have someone balance on an object and all of a sudden throw a ball at them. That's unanticipated. Types of exercise. Simple to complex, or depends on your strategy, or depends on your, your program. Complex is simple. Single joint to multi-joint, these can go either way. Exercise tempo, slow to fast or fast to slow, depends on what you want. You know, if you want time and attention and you really wanna get the muscles to contract and build that stability, well, you probably wanna go a little bit slower. You probably wanna hold the time a little bit longer. Um, Basis support, like we talked about with our assessment, we went from two legs to one leg. Okay, so that's a, that's a common progression, or regression, balance system, eyes open, eyes closed, head turns. Okay, those three kind of challenge all three systems. Planes of motion. A lot of times we work the sagittal plane first, we work the frontal plane, and then we do multi-plane. Okay, that's a that's a common recipe, and then obviously load. We go from light to moderate to heavy. Okay, um, depends on your strategy or your goal. Okay now when we talk about unstable object suggestions okay when we talk about unstable objects pretty simple is if we look at the picture these are common unstable objects but if we look right below we're going to see a bunch of arrows from left to right and if we look we usually start off with static stance right static sense eyes closed head turns then you can use more devices right you can use bands balls you know you can use a lot of different things then you can maybe work into like a dynamic squat dynamic squat with eyes closed, head turns, and then dynamic activities, maybe a squat with a row, okay, or a squat with a press or a ball toss in a squat. So so again, these, these progressions and stuff are just kind of suggestive. That They're not for every single client, and we understand that. So we have to be able to match the exercise to the client. But again, when we talk about trainer tips and stuff, ground, you know, using the ground and foam, I think it's pretty cool to, to do shoes off but when you're working with the other unstable objects and stuff like that, you want to really be careful um, wearing, you know, you want to really be careful not wearing shoes because you could slip. And remember to really safely spot the climb. To me, that's that's uber important. Okay. So then then so then when we when we talk about our last reminder, remember, and again, this is this a repeated slide, but I really want everyone to focus on that center of mass. Okay. If there's if they're stable with the exercise you know that they're ready to progress, okay? So that's, that's just a reminder slide, just to, just to really focus in on your observation skills and really help the client progress all the way through. Okay, now kind of our last topics here, we're finishing up our, our lecture, is really medical conditions that cause balance issues. Well, it's it's pretty obvious, and again, this slide is meant more for a reference. We're not gonna go deep in and talk about every little medical condition, But just remember, you know, neurological conditions, um, medical, metabolic conditions like diabetes, if they, if they don't have a lot of sensation, okay, they're not going to feel the balance object a lot. Um, someone who has had like chronic ankle sprains, you know, they might need to wear an ankle brace. So I think that that's important and stuff like that. So, so just remember, you know, that these common medical conditions need to be considered when you're prescribing a program to a client. Okay. So again, make sure you're screening them well make sure you do your assessments and then prescribe a fun program and really create a good experience for your clients and stuff. Okay. And so really final thoughts as we close up this lecture is that I think, you know, this, this discussion really kind of brought to light that even though we put someone on an object, we need to focus on the three balance systems and and that's a very common approach in vestibular and balance rehabilitation and it's been proven over the years in the research that it works so i wanted to bring that information to more of the fitness professional and say hey look you know you can take someone who's healthy and you can do a simple test with foam eyes open eyes closed like the sit sim and really look at which systems kind of are working together more in concert than the other Now, remember, we're not going to use it to diagnose a vestibular problem because that's not that's not the point. We're looking at performance. okay? we're looking at eyes closed, eyes open. And so and we're also looking at confidence. So I want to make sure that everyone, again, as I keep saying through this lecture, that we're not using it to diagnose. We're just looking at performance. And so whatever they failed on uh, on those four stages, either double leg or single leg, use it as their baseline and progress them and have fun. And also to try to blend these three systems and, and these kind of ideas into the client's OPT model. And so, and so again, I think it's so important to, to really you know, realize that the whole balance system of the body is very complex. It's very interdependent and stuff like that. So, so, so to really create that great you know, program for your clients and stuff, dig a little bit deeper, challenge yourself, and really challenge and train these two, um, you know, the these concepts in these three systems. So again, you know, I hope everybody enjoyed this discussion. Um, we are officially done with our one hour talk. Um, I wish I had a little bit more time to, to dig in deeper, but hopefully within this hour, a lot of you who who sat in kind of got some nuggets, right? Kind of got some new ideas, a way to approach it, Um, you know, you got some kind of guidelines, um, you know, a good review of indications, contraindications, precautions and stuff. Now, if anybody, um, anybody attending who has questions about kind of this approach or more information, please feel free to reach me through my website that I have on the slide or also my email because I'm kind of more old school, but you'll also see me on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. Um, but for the most part, a direct email is great for me. I like to answer directly and versus going through social media. So again, I want to thank everybody so much for attending this talk. Um, You know, it's, it's such a great conference. And I hope everybody is enjoying Optima 2020 virtual, you know, and I hope everyone's safe out there and it's just, you know, good blessings your way. And I hope you have a good rest of the year. Thank you everybody for attending. Have a great one.